Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. Lately, I've been watching Chugga Conroy playing Super Mario Galaxy 2, and it really brings me back to when I first played the game. I wanted it so badly. I remember I got it on my birthday one year. I just had a blast. I played the game so much. I actually got to Bowser at the end of the game the very next day. I, I, I was just playing it that much. For the longest time, I felt that the Galaxy games were equals. I couldn't really pick a favorite. Well, time passed, and I grew up, and I noticed that I always had a longing to go back to the first Galaxy, while I've been content to simply live with memories of Galaxy 2. So I guess you could say that I do prefer the original Super Mario Galaxy. The second game isn't bad by any means, but it doesn't give me the same spark. And I think in hindsight, that was probably a sign of things to come. A lot of people like to blame the new Super Mario games for this dark age of Mario games that persisted from the late Wii to the entirety of the Wii U and 3DS era, and those new Super games are probably the most egregious about it, but I think the real culprit was Super Mario Galaxy 2. While New Super Mario Bros. was the beginning of that sub-series of games, At the time, it was a breath of fresh air. We hadn't had a proper side-scrolling Mario for years that wasn't just some kind of remake or advanced port or something like that. New Super Mario Bros. Wii came out between the galaxies, but I think that game also got a pass due to being bigger and better than the original New Super game. It also introduced cooperative multiplayer to the main Mario series, and it brought the Koopalings out of retirement. These are nowhere near as meaningful nowadays, but at the time, it was pretty shocking. I remember growing up with a lot of Mario fans who missed the Koopalings, and it was like a dream come true to finally see them around again. It wasn't really until Galaxy 2 hit the scene that I started hearing more complaints. And even then, the game had enough good going for it that there wasn't any significant outrage right away. Mario Galaxy 2 was when Nintendo's fixation on accessibility was in full swing. The game was simplified compared to the first. A lot more linear level design, fewer missions in each galaxy, a simpler hub, left-to-right world select. Okay, fair enough. Streamlining the game isn't really that bad. But then we get to the video signposts that show you how to complete sections of the level. We get the Luigi ghosts that can show you optimal paths. We get the cosmic spirit who will literally play the level for you, even if the reward is ruined for doing it and you have to do it again anyway. These are a lot more hand-holdy, but they're also optional. Now combine the streamlining and the hand-holding with the fact that the game's storyline is much simpler than the first, and uh, we don't even get any FMVs or anything, we don't get a backstory sequence like with Rosalina's storybook, you can kind of see where we're going with this. While the new Super Games perfected the homogenization that Mario's been accused of in recent years, I think that Galaxy 2 held the smoking gun. The game already had some backlash for basically being just more of Super Mario Galaxy, and that's not even an insult, it's what happened. 
The game came about because they had too many ideas to fit into the first galaxy, and DLC wasn't exactly viable for Nintendo at the time. So they just made a new game. I think some of the internal files actually refer to the sequel as Super Mario Galaxy More. Something like that. To top it all off, not only are there a lot of returning elements from the first game, but they're touted. These repeated moments are things that the game is proud of, like it's going, Hey look, remember this planet from the first Galaxy game? Now it's an entire level unto itself, have fun doing that again. Stone Cyclone, Mario Squared, Boss Blitz, Galaxies, those are the biggest and most obvious offenders. Oddly enough, they're all in the special world together. The references are so crazy that they even have levels referencing Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and even one level that kind of looks like Rainbow Road. There's no shortage of original content, don't get me wrong, and if, if you ask me what the really most touted element of the game is, it would probably be the fact that you can ride Yoshi now. But Galaxy 2 really leaned on the nostalgia a lot. Nostalgia is fine, but it's getting a little much. Galaxy 1 was only three years ago by the time this game was released. They don't need to call back to it so much. While Galaxy 2 is still a far cry from the grass, desert, water, forest, snow, mountain, sky, volcano routine that the following Mario games would have, I will still point out that it's a lot less outer spacey than the original. It's not that the game has forgotten that it's in outer space, but there's a lot more of a sky motif than in the original, which is apparent in the box art, the title screen, the save file select screen. It doesn't feel like we're in outer space as often. Rather, we're in the Mario world still, but with some weird gravity. For instance, Galaxy 1 starts at nighttime, so we're already seeing stars and stuff. Then the prologue mission takes place on some planetoids with the same starry sky. The hub and the first proper world, Good Egg, Good Egg Galaxy, they're all in starry night skies too. We don't get our first daytime state until the second proper galaxy, Honey Hive Galaxy. Meanwhile, Galaxy 2 opens with Mario exploring the kingdom in the daytime. Then he's taken right to the Sky Station Galaxy, which is also set in the daytime as is the hub world for the first part of the game, and the second galaxy, Yoshi Star Galaxy. We don't see our first starry night sky until the third level, Spin Dig Galaxy. Even that doesn't really feel a lot like outer space. None of this is helped by the fact that it feels like a lot more emphasis is placed on the 2D platforming sections compared to the first galaxy, so it feels even more like it's trying to be a typical Mario. While Mario's main games aren't known for their story, Galaxy 1 has some beats going for it. Rosalina's entire history and the fact that her observatory was damaged by Bowser, his plan to recreate the universe, the fact that the universe had to get reset at the end, there was even an attempt at pathos with the baby Loomis sacrificing themselves, Galaxy 1 had a certain grandeur to it, even if it was downplayed and there wasn't that much to work with. In the second game, Bowser repeats his plan from the first one, but in a lot cruder fashion. 
Instead of four ships and a UFO abducting Peach's castle, he's just inexplicably giant. He scoops up Peach in his giant hand and carries her into space, and he talks about how much he wants a giant cake. It's a lot sillier than what happened in the first game, even if it is still in character for Bowser. And instead of running into a mysterious space lady with a mother complex and a tragic backstory and a ship that was nearly destroyed by Bowser, Mario instead teams up with Patrick Starr's alien doppelganger, who has almost no stake in the plot. There's some attempted intrigue with the baby Luma that Mario has being kept away from its home, but it doesn't really affect anything and doesn't really come into play until the ending. Nothing is at stake except for... Peach's kidnapped status. Bowser's not recreating the world this time, you're just going to beat him up and get the princess back. The game's opening is a lot more abridged compared to the first. In the original game, Mario goes through the town plaza, he plays a small minigame, unlocks the spin power, clears a prologue mission, goes to the hub, then we get to the first real stage. In the second game, you control Mario through the Mushroom Kingdom in a 2D section that gradually becomes 3D, then you unlock the spin power in the middle of that. Right at the end of that, you're taken to the first stage, then you're taken to the hub. While some might appreciate that Galaxy 2 gets to the point, I feel that the longer, drawn-out opening of the first game helps to really sell the scope of the adventure that you're going to be taking on. With the exception of 64, Galaxy 2 thrust you into the adventure in record time, which I think demonstrates just how much it wanted to be like old-school Mario games, where you just turn the game on, here's the adventure, let's go, who needs story? This is the same mindset that the new Super games had and would continue to have, and so would a lot of other Mario games. Shigeru Miyamoto himself was a very vocal opponent of the inclusion of story elements in Mario games. Rosalina's storybook was added to Galaxy 1 without his knowledge, and he didn't appreciate that. And this would not be the last time that Miyamoto would insist on a story-free Mario experience. To this day, he's still reviled for his involvement in the development of Paper Mario Sticker Star, by the way, I think it's a little unfair to give him all of the blame for that one, because the development team had some mistakes of their own, but that's an entire other conversation. Galaxy 2 was made by Nintendo EAD, and they would later create Mario 3D Land and 3D World. Like Galaxy 2, these games were fine, but even unlike Galaxy 2, there wasn't a lot to write home about. They were fun levels and gimmicks, but without a whole lot beyond that. No real story, no stakes, any new characters involved are kind of forgettable. I guess Captain Toad was allowed to take off and become his own thing, but that's not really saying a lot for Mario's games themselves. 3D World did try harder than 3D Land to impress people, but it's no Galaxy 1. It's not even a Sunshine or a 64. That's not saying that Sunshine and 64 are paragons, but they were a lot more revolutionary. By this point in time, Nintendo was utterly fascinated with stripping the Mario formula down to its barest essentials and then fine-tuning them from there. No fluff allowed. As long as the levels were fun, while still being accessible to new players, that's all they cared about, so that's all they tried to do. For some players, that's enough. But 
I disagree, and I think a significant number of people would also disagree. Another point of interest is how much content there is in Galaxy 2 even after you beat Bowser. Now, it wouldn't be fair to say that Galaxy 2 started this trend, because New Super Mario Bros. Wii also did this with a bonus world. Galaxy 2 takes it further. Not only does beating Bowser unlock a full-length new world to explore with several new galaxies, beating all of those unlocks the green stars. Oh boy. For every star available in a level in this game, there is now also a green star to match it. The green stars are haphazardly inserted into the levels, and it's one giant easter egg hunt across the cosmos to find them all. The level automatically ends as soon as you grab a single green star. They're all over the place, usually somewhat hard to reach. I can see this being the groundwork for the power moons in Mario Odyssey, and I think Odyssey pulls it off a lot better. Once you get all the green stars, you have to beat the Grandmaster Galaxy, and then you have to beat it again with only one hit point. All these bonuses make for a very bloated post-game. You could argue that the Luigi mode in Galaxy 1 is a similar level of padding, but that always felt more like a second quest type of deal, like in the original Zelda, especially since Luigi mode starts you over from the beginning. There is a unique level for beating the game as both of the brothers, but it's nothing very enticing, nothing that begs you to unlock it, like the Grandmaster Galaxy. The post-game in Galaxy 2 just carries on from where we left off, so it feels like we're still in one continuous adventure. The climactic battle with Bowser was hours and hours ago, and we're still playing by the time we get to Grandmaster Galaxy. At the very least, I think only 3D World really reaches the same level of bloat in its post-game. The other Marios in this era were a bit more conservative about it. Odyssey has a big post-game too, but Odyssey was also designed around giving you lots to do, and you don't even need to get to every moon to unlock the final kingdom, so it doesn't feel like as much of a tall order. What I'm getting at, though is that all of these elongated post-games make Bowser feel like less of a conclusion. More often than not, players will be interested in checking out the bonus content, especially completionists. This has the effect of adding so much playtime to the game that the climactic final battle with Bowser isn't really an ending. It's just one of many points in the middle, and being the one who kickstarts the plot in every game, if Bowser isn't meaningful, then the story really isn't meaningful. It's just an excuse for more levels. And after you beat Bowser, the games don't even bother with more excuses. Bowser, and by extension the plot, are meaningless. I suppose that the bottom line is that Galaxy 2 was a more generic game than its predecessor, and subtly pushed the other Mario games to follow suit. Of course, the games are all developed by different teams at different times, so it's not really as straightforward as that. But the trend is still noticeable. The new Super Mario games got really out of hand before long. 3D Land and 3D World are skeletal substitutes for a main 3D platformer. The RPGs really got hit with this. Mario & Luigi Paper Jam, Paper Mario's Sticker Star, and Color Splash. 
while I can say things that I like about each game, it's clear that they wanted to be as close to generic Mario as they could get away with. Probably because it's easiest for Nintendo and most recognizable. Kind of like how Pokemon will always pander to Generation 1, even when, let's say, they're in 10 generations from now. Mario's never shied away from referencing his roots, but I do feel like he's gotten a lot more in-your-face over the last decade. Galaxy 2 was probably one of the forerunners of that. Super Mario Galaxy 2 was a turning point for the Mario series, and I don't think they ever really recovered until Super Mario Odyssey. While a lot of intervening games have their moments, none of them have ever been as widely appreciated as the Galaxy games, especially Galaxy 1. Kind of like a Banjo-Tooie situation, where Kazooie and Tooie are both appreciated, but over time, Kazooie is the one that sticks out more in people's memory as what they look back on fondly. I feel like Super Mario Odyssey is a game that takes most of the scope and grandeur from the first Galaxy, while keeping the action and mission focus from Galaxy 2, and refining some of the Green Star things, blending all of it into a best of both worlds, so whichever Galaxy you liked, there's something for you in Mario Odyssey. Though, in truth, I still prefer Galaxy 1 over Odyssey, but I do prefer Odyssey to Galaxy 2. Again, I don't want to disparage Mario Galaxy 2, because the gameplay is every bit as good as the first. It can only go so wrong. In fact, I'd say the gameplay is actually more fun in the moment-to-moment action. In addition to all the fun of controlling Mario, all the new power-ups are really enjoyable, much more than the power-ups returning from the first game. And almost to address that, all of the power-ups from the first game are massively downplayed or even outright removed. Other than maybe the star and the fire flower, they all show up a lot less frequently, which I think is good, because they're not as fun as the new ones, in my opinion. That's not even getting into Yoshi. I think Mario Galaxy 2 might be Yoshi's best outing as a power-up character, ever since his debut in Mario World. While I criticize the environments of Galaxy 2 for not feeling otherworldly enough or relying too much on the past games... There are a lot of fun ideas and memorable atmospheres and set pieces. Slimy Spring Galaxy is a favorite for how quiet it is. Chompworks Galaxy is unique for being one of the few instances of the game actually emphasizing chain chomps. Space Storm Galaxy is very cool, very tense atmosphere. I could go on, but I don't think any of them captured the hearts of the Mario fanbase the same way Gusty Garden Galaxy did in the original. But, uh, secretly, I think Gusty Garden was only okay. It's not even my favorite song in the game. But, anyway, I'm cool with the levels in Galaxy 2. This game also probably has the most boss fights in any main Mario game, and I love me some boss fights. The boss Blitz Galaxy definitely inflates the number a bit, with five returning bosses from the first game, but it's the only time they show up in this one, so I'm, I'm good counting it in the numbers. And for Challenge Seekers, I think Galaxy 2 is the harder game. Despite all the attempts at accessibility, it was designed with Galaxy veterans in mind. There are, legitimately, a lot of things to like about Super Mario Galaxy 2. But, I do still see this game as kind of a downward shift for the Mario series, one that was 
subtle enough that we didn't really notice it until we got two more new Super games. It's a little ironic for me, too, that I'd see this game as the herald of Mario's descent into homogeny, because it was created out of passion, because they had too many ideas to fit into the first Galaxy game. It was a game built on creativity, and yet I see it as the beginning of genericness. Except that creativity really only applied to the gameplay. I've seen jaded Mario fans use New Super Mario Bros. as both an insult and a verb, but before the worst of those games came out, there was Super Mario Galaxy 2. Nintendo seems to have strayed from a lot of their underappreciated design choices from the Wii U, Wii 3DS era. The Switch seems to be them focusing on doing what people want again. Not that they're entirely free from controversy. They're still making some weird choices, but they're a lot better than they were. Mario Odyssey has recaptured the spark that has been missing for a lot of people since Galaxy 1. This isn't to paint Mario's track record as perfect. I know a lot of people have issues with sunshine, but you can't say it was a generic experience. I'm hoping that Odyssey paves the way for Mario to go back to being a fun new adventure every time. Or they could just make an Odyssey 2, which wouldn't be a bad thing depending on how they handle it, but it's a slippery slope to be sure. We'll have to see. Thanks for listening to this week's BitCast. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter to stay up to date with my thoughts and episodes, and follow the show on Podcast One's website nap. In the meantime, I will see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app.